Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon from Oak Hill Church in Humboldt, Iowa. We pray that it helps you to know Christ, grow in Christ, and sow Christ wherever you are. For more information about who we are and what we're doing, go to oakhillhumble.org. Father in heaven, we thank you for your son Jesus today. We thank you that he came down to show us the way to life forever with you through his death for us on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. And we thank you that he has given us uh, your spirit to be in us and to help us now as we dig into your word. I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts that would be soft, open to you today. Help me, Father, to clearly convey what you have spoken here to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to zero in on one verse that has captured my attention this week. It's 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Here's what it says. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. So here's what that doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that, that God loves us only when we give. It doesn't mean that God loves us only when we are giving to Him and sacrificing and, and doing something for Him. That's not what this verse means. One of the ways we know that is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5 says this, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our sins made us alive together with Christ. It is by grace you have been saved. And so God set his love upon us, if we're believers in Jesus Christ, before the foundation of the world, before we could do anything whatsoever to impress him. As we were dead in our sins, God loved us. And that messes with our minds. He loved us before we could ever do anything to love him or to impress him. And so what then does it mean that God loves a cheerful giver? In Philippians 4, verse 18, Paul writes this, I have received full payment. He's writing to the church at Philippi. He's thanking them for their generous gifts of financial support. He says, I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So notice what he says about their financial gifts. They are like a fragrant offering to God, a sacrifice that's acceptable. It pleases God. And so our cheerful giving is, is worship to our God. He, he delights in us as we, as we cheerfully and willingly give to him and his kingdom. A cheerful giver. I think deep down we all want to be like that. We've probably met people who are so kind and so joyfully generous. We're like, how can I be more like that person? I think we all want to be generous. And so that's the question I have. How do we become then cheerful givers? How do we become cheerful givers? Well, I wanted to show you an illustration today and uh, have two balloons here. And there are two, two ways a balloon can float, right? So here's, here's the first one. Uh, 
A balloon can float um, if we kind of push it and prod it and inspire it along and continue to, to kind of do whatever we can to keep it afloat, right? And some of you, when it comes to your spiritual life, are living a lot like that. From week to week, um, you know, you, you want to be pumped up uh, spiritually. Uh, maybe on, on Facebook, you're looking for an inspirational quote just to kind of, yeah, I needed that. Yeah, keep, keep, keep it going, you know? Um, and yet, when it comes to this whole idea of generosity, if we need to be pumped up periodically to be generous, it says something about us. It says that when we do end up giving, more than likely we're giving out of guilt. I have to, you know, I'm sagging spiritually and I probably should be generous, you know, just, I, it'll make me a better person and people will think more highly of me. We don't want to live like that. We don't want to live like that. There's another way that we can live, another way a balloon can float, and that is by helium, right? So glad that worked. I'm so glad it stayed down, unlike one that happened <laughs> before. You can still see the, the remnants of that one. Um, now you can look here, kids and adults. I know how you are. Right? So, so when we think about this balloon, it's, it's floating because of the helium that's inside of it, right? And we can think about how grace is the helium in our hearts that, that keeps us soaring and keeps us uh, thanking God and, and being generous to others. Grace comes down, fills our heart with joy, and we become generous people. So we don't need this pushing and prodding and being pumped up periodically to be generous because that's who we are. We've got the grace of God in our hearts and we're motivated to give not out of guilt but out of grace to bless others and to be generous with others. Deep down, I think all of us want to be generous. We want to be filled with grace and to soar with generosity. I think we're made for that. That's, that's the vision, not only for us, but for generations to come. And so the question then is, how can that happen in our hearts? How can we become generous givers? And so with that in mind, I want you to turn, if you have a Bible with you, to 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9, if you don't have a Bible with you, the words will be up there on the screen in back of me. 2 Corinthians 9 shows us how we can become cheerful givers. I want to start with verse 6, verse 6 through 15. This is the word of God. Paul writes, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ 
and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. And so the context here, if uh, you remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the Corinthians are, are being asked to complete an offering they had started and committed to, and, and that's where we are today as well. Three years ago, we embarked on this uh, deep and wide vision campaign to, to begin the process of building this new facility. And now we are seeking to finish what we started with this new campaign, Rooted and Ready. But it's not just paying off a building, it's also freeing us up to continue to, to minister and to bless and to serve and to reach out to humble community and beyond with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that happens through your cheerful giving. And so how then do we become cheerful givers? Well, here's what it looks like from this text. This is the process. Paul says it much like this. He says, grace comes down. So you can go ahead and show the diagram. You can see it visually here. Grace comes down. Joy breaks into the heart. So grace comes down. Joy breaks in. Generosity pours out. And then thanksgiving rises up to God. And so it's kind of this, this cycle. Grace is coming down, joy is breaking in, generosity is pouring out, and then thanksgiving is being risen up to God again for his abundant grace. And so let's just take those one at a time. Number one, grace comes down. Look at verse eight again. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all all times you may abound in every good work. What we see here is that God is, is not short on resources. He owns it all. He's not short on money. So therefore, God is not a needy taker. Sometimes we, we get this picture in our minds, especially when we talk about serving and giving, that, that God wants something from you. He's demanding it because he has a need in him that he needs you to meet. God is not a needy taker. He's a willing giver. Some of us, we view him as kind of stingy. He must need our help, and he's holding something back from us. Ever since the fall, Eve had this seed of discontentment that, that Satan kind of uh, snuck up and slithered up there and, and, and fooled her to think that somehow God is withholding something from you, Eve, something good. And so you, you got to take of that tree and eat of it. Satan himself, we know the reason why he fell from heaven as an angel, he was discontented with his position as an angel. He wanted to be God. Some of us still think of God as someone who is wanting to take something from us. He's wanting to demand something from us. And so when we hear the call to give generously, we think, well, God must have a need. He must need my help. But Acts chapter uh, 17 says this, and he, that's God, is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. And so you can't think of God as someone who has needs that you need to meet. God is not needy. He doesn't need us whatsoever. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. He is the giver. He will remain the giver always. Even in our serving, even in our giving, he remains the, the giver, and the giver always receives the glory. So 
God is a willing giver, and we need to see him this way. Notice the repetition of the word all in this verse. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times you may abound in every good work. God is abundant. He has abundant resources. He is not a needy taker, but a willing giver. You know, when, when you think about God in your mind, what, what pictures come into your mind when you think about him? The Bible gives us pictures of a father and a shepherd and a king. Think about him as your father. It says in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says this, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? He's talking about prayer and how sometimes we, we, we wonder who's on the other side of that door as we're seeking and knocking. Well, he's your father who loves you, who desires to give you good gifts. He's not only your father, he's also your shepherd. This past week in Seeds, you kids heard a message from my wife about what it means that Jesus is our good shepherd. In John 10, verse 11, it says this about Jesus. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And so your shepherd cares for you, knows your needs. He's laid down his life for you, loves you. What do you picture in your minds when you think about God? He's your father, he's your shepherd, he's your king. He's your king who bestows on you riches untold. In Philippians 4, 19, it says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He's got rich Rich supplies of all that you need in Jesus. And I love the way Luke 12, 32 brings this all together where Jesus says, fear not. Are you worried this morning? Fear not, little flock. So we are his little sheep. For it is your father's good pleasure. We're his children. It's father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He's a great king. Brings him delight to give you his kingdom. So if you're united to him, everything that he has now belongs to you as well. I've shared this story before, but um, I'll share it again. I remember when uh, my wife and I, uh, we were engaged before we got married, and I was uh, still needing to finish up my last semester of student uh, teaching. And meanwhile, Jamie was, uh, was already working full time. And so she was, she was making money, and I was, I was uh, barely scraping by eating ramen noodles, if you guys remember the days, just barely, barely getting enough there. And, and I'm so glad our engagement uh, was intentionally short, uh, five months. And I will just give you the advice, uh, those of you who are coming into those years, make your engagement short, don't make it long, for several different reasons that I won't elaborate on today. But uh, five months was enough for us. Um, and then we stood in a sanctuary much like this, at the front of the sanctuary, and we exchanged vows and we were married. And, and so many gifts, you know, I received that day. We received, and, and the greatest gift of all was, was my beautiful wife, Jamie. But you know what else I received on that day? Cash. <laughs> Cash flow came my way. I mean, at one moment, I was standing there with nothing in my bank account whatsoever, and all I had to do was say two words. I do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, my bank account was full. E even, even got a Ford Probe with a car phone. That was my wife's car at the time. <laughs> Did you guys have a car phone? Any of you have a car phone? Kind of funny. But listen, I, I did nothing to earn that. I didn't have to go and work for that, right? 
Now, simply because my life was united to hers, now everything that belonged to her belonged to me. Now, at a much greater level, when we put our faith in Jesus, you guys, at that moment, everything that belongs to him now is ours, becomes ours, because of our union with, with Christ. And not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done for us. And if that sinks in, that, that grace sinks in, generosity will begin to flow out. And so... God is so generous. He is not a needy taker. He is a willing, willing giver. And it's not just on the front end before we give. It's also as we give. He continues to be generous. He continues to pour out his grace upon us. Look at verses 10 and 11. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So notice, he supplies, he multiplies, he enriches our lives. Reminds me of the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Remember the story, this little, little boy comes up and, and the disciples are told, hey, you go find uh, whatever we have to feed this huge crowd, which was more likely 15 to 20,000. 5,000 were just the men that were included in the story. And so we see just this little boy coming back with just five loaves of bread and two fish, and we wonder, is, is that enough for Jesus? And not enough is more than enough when we give it to Jesus, right? He didn't even need the five loaves. He didn't need the two fish, and he multiplied it to where they had basketfuls of bread and fish as leftovers. He supplied, he multiplied. Last week... Uh, my little Harper was listening in on the announcements, and uh, Pastor Josh was up here. He was explaining how, and I hope you guys have taken advantage of this, we have these uh, little clay pots, still some available at the Welcome Center that you can take home, and with your family, you just kind of give your loose change and, and put that in, in those uh, clay pots. And as uh, Pastor Josh was explaining that, my little Harper said, uh, I'm not giving my money. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but she kept on listening, and, and Josh began to describe how uh, on March 29th, for our celebration event, we're going to bring all those back, and we're going to put them into a, a bigger clay pot, and it's going to grow and multiply. And she looked at Jamie, and she's like, well, if it's going to grow, I'm going to give. <laughs> for us, we've got to realize that as we give, and it's not the amount, right? The attitude of our heart as we give just a little bit in the hands of our Savior, in submission to him, in faith, he's going to multiply it for his glory. And so our God is a generous God. This generosity doesn't start with a need that God has, but with a grace that he wants to give to us. He doesn't have a need. He wants to give us grace to give. And so listen. I'm not the first to say this. Others have said this before. Generosity is not something God wants from us. It's something he wants for us. Big difference. It's not something he wants from you. It's something he wants for you. He wants you to become like him, a cheerful giver, just like he is. And it starts with grace, grace that comes down. Secondly, joy breaks in. Joy breaks in. Look at verse 7 again. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So we see positively there are two ways he wants us to give, willingly and cheerfully. 
willingly. We've decided in our heart, we want to do this. It's something that we are willing to do. And then we give it cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. This is a joyful thing to be generous. It's a want to, not a have to. And then he says negatively, there are two ways I don't want you to give, not reluctantly, he says, not reluctantly. In other words, not out of grief, like this is a sad thing, I suppose I should, I, I want to avoid punishment from God, so I, I better give. It kind of grieves my heart to give that away, but that's not how God wants us to give, not reluctantly. And he also says, or under compulsion. This is out of guilt. God doesn't want us to give out of guilt. He doesn't want us to feel the pressure, like I think the preacher was staring right at me, and I probably should give. This is not the way that God uh, encourages us to give, not out of guilt, not out of a desire to gain approval with God or with others. So, So notice what Paul is saying here. When it comes to giving, it's not just the movement of your money that matters. It's the movement of your heart that matters most. It's not the movement of your money that matters. It's the movement of your heart that matters most. Your heart is to be free and full of joy when you give. So God doesn't want you, hey, just do it, just just give already. He wants your heart to change as you give. And yet here's the problem all of us face in this room. By nature, we have selfish and rebellious hearts. We do, I do. By nature, we are resistant to the grace that comes down. We've got hard hearts right here. We don't like this grace that's coming in as a seed into our souls. We resist that. We don't want to be generous. And kind of picturing God as a farmer today, and, and, and you know, I kind of asked a few others, um, even some of our elders, hey, if, if this is true, because I've kind of heard this before, that during planting season or before planting season, which is coming up soon, a farmer's... Um, they've got to pick rock. As the, the temperatures begin to change and begin to warm the soil, uh, things change underneath the surface, and so these rocks begin to press up. Some are small, some are big, right to the surface, and we've got to get those. We've got to remove those out of the way. Well, it's, it's similar to us. As the grace of God comes down to warm our hearts, stones, rocks that have pretty much been kept down under the soil, unseen by us, are starting to be pushed up, and they're emerging to the surface. These are the idols in our hearts, idols that have been hidden underneath the surface. They wouldn't even know about, but God's grace, he warms our hearts, and then all of a sudden, whoa, how come I have got this big stone of selfishness in me? I want to spend money on me. I've made myself a good living. I deserve, and there's just this got to remove. Or, or for me, uh, to be honest with you, sometimes it's insecurity, kind of the stone of insecurity or, or fear that starts to make its way up here. And, and I wonder, how am I going to provide for my family if I'm a generous giver, right? I've got, I've got my oldest going to college soon, and I've got to start saving up money. How, how is this all going to work out? So we can have these idols of, of selfishness and security and fear. Even, even greed, right? Like, you know, if I become a cheerful giver, then I'm, I'm not going to be able to spend my money on all the stuff I like to do and, and what I want, the material possessions that I want right now to make my life more comfortable. And so this, this is pushing up some of this stuff in our hearts. And I just want to be tender and say this. 
in order for us to grow to be a generous person, we've got to remove those stones and, and remove those big boulders in order for the, the warmth of the grace of God to produce something fruitful and beautiful in our hearts. I love what uh, Tim Keller says about this. He says, idols cannot simply be removed. They must be replaced. So as, as the warmth of God's grace is, is coming down into your heart and pushing up these rocks and softening your heart, remove those things. Start thinking through, what is that in my life that's getting in the way of God growing generosity in my heart? I've got to remove that. And then, don't stop there, but to replace that with the joy that can be coming into your heart when you consider the grace and the generosity that God's had on you. Right? You see that? He's been so generous to me. He's loved me. He's made me. All of, of who I am and the, the, the things that I have are his. Surely I want to become more and more like him. I think about how that's a miracle. That's something we can't do on our own. If God does that in our hearts, it's a miracle of his grace. Zacchaeus. Many of you kids know that story, right? You remember the story of Zacchaeus, that wee little man? The wee little man was he? Climbed up that sycamore tree. He was searching, wasn't he? He was seeking. There was something empty in his heart, even though he was the richest man of his time. He was a tax collector cheating people out of their money. He was small, but he was even more small on the inside. His heart had shrunk. He was lonely. So when Jesus said, I want to come into your house today, Somebody wants to spend time with me, to be a friend to me. And during the course of that conversation, Zacchaeus repented of his sin. He, he removed that big stone of selfishness and greed in his heart. And he repented and actually gave four times as much back to the people that he had cheated his money out of. And he had been a changed man. He now had grace that replaced that selfishness, and he was saved. Grace comes down, joy breaks in. Thirdly, generosity pours out. Generosity pours out. Look at verse 8 again. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Notice this. As the grace of God comes down to us, we have sufficiency in all things. That word means contentment. Some of you are just longing for contentment deep in your heart, and you know that money can't give that to you. Only Christ can give that to you, and he's able to give you all contentment in all things at all times. So the reason why he gives you grace is so that you can be set free then to give grace to others. Verse 11 says it similarly. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. So the reason why God is enriching your life is so that you can in turn enrich the lives of others. In other words, God gives cheerfully so we will give cheerfully. That's why. We are made in his image. We're made to be givers. And as followers of Jesus, we, we follow him in becoming radically generous people just like he is. I mean, it's really part of discipleship, right? Sometimes we forget this. Like, I want to follow Jesus. I want to become like Jesus. Well, he's radically generous. Are you like him? Are you following Jesus? It's one of those vital signs that you know God's done a work in your heart if you're a generous giver. But it's not just that we would become like him. 
and give evidence of our faith in him. In giving generously, we bless others for eternity. We bless others for eternity. Look at verse six with me. And the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now we know this scriptural principle, reap what you sow, we know that. It's all throughout the Bible. And it's also a timeless truth we see in real life. I mean, think about this not just as a farmer who sows lots of seed and he'll reap a harvest. It's also true of you as an athlete. If you work hard, you're in the weight room, you are in shape, that's gonna pay off for you in the end. Likewise, if you're a student or in band, if whatever you do on that front end as you practice, as you give yourself to study, that's gonna result in what you reap later. And yet, some have read into this this whole reap what you sow mentality, this idea of the prosperity gospel. So if I give God $10, then he's going to give me $100 in return. It's like he's obligated because I've given him, then he's going to give me back. I'm going to be prosperous because I'm such a great giver. It's not what this text teaches. It's not some transaction with God where if I give a lot, God will in turn give me even more. This word bountifully means giving with a view to blessing others for eternity. This is not about you. This is about God giving you grace to bless others for eternity. So what you reap when you, when you sow is not material wealth. It's spiritual and eternal riches. You get the joy, listen, you get the joy of participating with God and his kingdom. And this giving creates a greater love for the things of God. We're going to see in a couple of weeks where Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where you give is where your heart will go. You get the joy when you give of participating with God in this kingdom. Secondly, you get the, you get the deep contentment of being happy. Your heart's happy in God when you give. Conversely, if you're stingy, your heart begins to shrink. You're only thinking of you. And yet when you give, it enlarges as you see what God's doing in and through you to bless others. Thirdly, you get the exhilaration of knowing that your generosity is making a difference for all of eternity. And I chose this word exhilaration for a reason. In the original language, God loves a cheerful giver. The word cheerful in the Greek is hilaros, where we get the word hilarious. Doesn't mean that we should be snickering and kind of giggling when the offering plate goes by. That's not what hilarious means. It's this idea of exhilaration. Like he wants you to be exhilarated in, in giving to make an eternal difference in the lives of others. You would find gladness in making God look great as you give. Guys, we were made for more than just kind of this me, myself, and I mentality. That, you don't have to be a Christian to think of yourself, right? You've got to be a believer in Christ, though, to lay down your life for others and, and gladly give your resources away to bless others for eternity. That, that gives evidence that God is in you. His spirit is at work in you. It's exhilarating. Randy Elkhorn says this, and I agree with him. He says, I have found that cheerful givers love God and love him more deeply each time they give. 
to me, one of the few experiences comparable to the joy of leading someone to Christ, and that is an amazing joy, is the joy of making wise and generous choices with my money and possessions. Both are supreme acts of worship. Both are exhilarating. Both are what we were made for. You were made to take risks for the kingdom of God. You were made to be more than just a nice guy or a nice girl. Nothing wrong with being nice. Are you, I'm going to talk specifically to men here, are you a man of courage and conviction and committed to Christ and his kingdom? Are you laying down your life and risking for the sake of others? That's what it means to follow Jesus along the same path of generosity. And we see this in verse 11. We see this, he says this again, you will be enriched in every way. Why? To be generous in every way. So again, Randy Alcorn says it this way, God enriches you not to increase your standard of living, but to increase your standard of giving. But that, that's something we don't say an amen to. I didn't hear any out there today, right? God, God doesn't enrich your life to increase your standard of living, but to increase your standard of giving. To increase your seed for sowing, to bless others for eternity. And don't worry, listen, if you don't have a lot, he doesn't expect you to give a lot. It's the attitude of your heart as you give. I love when Jesus pointed out that, that widow, when she gave those coins all that she had. The rich were giving in more, but she gave all that she had. It was the attitude of her heart, not just the amount so when God enriches you and supplies you with more resources, he's entrusting that you have that for a reason. In other words, with great prosperity comes great responsibility. And that is not a quote from Spider-Man. Some of you know what I'm talking about. With great prosperity comes great responsibility. Biblically, that's, that's right from the mouth of Jesus in Luke 12. It says this, to whom much was given of him, much will be required. And so what are you doing with the blessing God has given you? As one pastor said this, if you were God, would you give you more money? Grace comes down, joy breaks in, generosity pours out, and finally, number four, thanksgiving rises up. Thanksgiving rises up. Notice the end result of our cheerful giving. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Verse 12, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saint, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Verse 13, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. And so listen, your cheerful giving produces thanksgiving to God. Your cheerful giving produces thanksgiving to God. That means that giving is not a burden. It is a blessing. It's a privilege to be part of people's lives being changed by Jesus. If you've been here for a few years, you've seen it up close. You've seen many people's lives being changed by Jesus right here. Your generosity has made an eternal difference in the lives of so many of us. I want you to take a look at these pictures here. We could have chosen a lot more so many over the years have given their life to King Jesus and then have proclaimed that in baptism. 
And it just brings me joy as I look at these pictures, young and old, and filled with joy as God has saved them. And you think about the ripple effect of what's happened as a result of lives being changed here in our community, in our world. This could not happen without your generosity. I want you to know that. Verse 13, Paul is simply saying, they will glorify God because of your willingness to say yes to Jesus and yes to giving generously to what God is doing in and through you and right here at Oak Hill. So if we would have time even to look around the room and to look at our own family, we would, we would want to ask ourselves, well, where would I be without the ministry of Oak Hill Church? It's not about us. It's about Jesus working in and through us Think of you in the older generation. You might be thinking, well, I don't know how much of a difference I'm making anymore because I, I can't do quite what I want to do, what I used to do. But you can give cheerfully and generously. You can make a difference for eternity. As God has given you much, give and bless others. Set us up for the future, right? Where we can continue to be a light, a city on a hill right here in humble Iowa for his glory and for the good of this next generation. You know, I love how Paul ends here. He doesn't just look around saying, look at the generosity of everyone here. He actually wants us to look up. Look at verse 15 as he ends this section. He says, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. And I love this. He's just writing about generosity. He spontaneously stops and he's like, wait, he is the cheerful giver. He's the one who's given the greatest gift. It's inexpressible. I can't even find the words. Paul was so articulate. He's like, I'm not sure how to speak of this. The gift of Jesus Christ and all of what he's done for you on the cross, I can't even comprehend. It's, it's too high. It's, it's too deep. It's too wide. I, I can't do it. But Christ loves you. He's been so generous to you. We sang about it today. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave, he gave, he gave at the heart of God is a cheerful, cheerful willingness to give to you. He is a giver. And so it makes sense that God loves a cheerful giver because we're becoming more and more like him. So I want to end by pointing us back to this balloon, not, not that one. <laughs> that one kind of just sagged spiritually and finally petered out. We don't want to be like that, but we want to be like this one here, filled with the grace of God, the joy has, has come into our hearts, and we're just soaring with generosity and thanksgiving to God for his glory and what he's done in our lives. That's the vision. I want us to be raising up another generation after us with that same heart of generosity cheerfully giving to the work of God's kingdom. God loves to be hoped in. He loves to be trusted in. He loves it when we give cheerfully like him. That's the vision. Even to the next generation, a legacy of generosity. Let's pray together. Father, we know that it's a miracle when your grace comes down to save us, and it's a miracle when your grace comes to free us to be generous givers like you are. So I would pray that as the grace of God comes down and warms our hearts, that as these stones are pushed up to the surface, these idols in our lives, we would look at them and seek to remove them and then replace them with your grace and your joy that would free us to be generous people
and that thanksgiving would rise up to you. For you are so good and so generous to us. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray.